Hi friends, welcome to the Partnership Podcast, exploring gospel partnership and generosity in the Bible, alongside stories of support raising from around our fellowship. We pray you'll be encouraged by it. Hi everyone and welcome to this season of the Partnership Podcast. I've got Chris and Kate joining me here today to talk about their experience of beginning support raising with us. So thanks for joining me, Chris and Kate. It's great to be here. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. Great. Let's pray and then we'll hear some more of their experience. Father, thank you so much for Kate and Chris and for being with them in their support raising time with us. We pray as we hear their stories now that you deeply encourage us Bring out the things that you would like uh, for us to understand and know and be strengthened by. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Kate and Chris, I'm really thankful for you joining me today to hear your story. I'm just wondering if you'd tell us a little bit about the start of your support raising and how your early expectations played out as you began contacting people. So, uh, I did an apprenticeship. Um with uni ministry and uh, when I was first checking it out, support raising was the thing that uh, most scared me off doing an apprenticeship. Um, so it was a barrier to ministry, and but I noticed no one else was scared of it. They weren't saying it. <laughs> so I had a crack anyway. Um, I struggled to get to full time, I think for my first six months of my apprenticeship. And when I came on as senior staff, um, uh, yeah, pe- people were slower to onboard, but they were also probably more generous than I expected. Um, so I think I've been, it's been similar, but different. Um, yeah, in both those ways, as senior staff. And I, I joined um, the team this year. So um, Chris and I got married at the end of, um, end of last year when I finished Bible college. Um, so my experience of starting support raising was planning a wedding and finishing my project and all those other things as well. So I think I was a bit nervous to even find time to, to do support raising. And by the time the year rolled around, I think I had a day raised and was like, well, okay, <laughs> need to get working on this. Um, yeah. So I think I was a bit nervous and I knew it was actually difficult to raise support like in this region because uh, they were people on my team um, and other staff that I knew who were under-supported. So I think I was a bit like, oh, this might not be the easiest thing to go into. Um, but then again, I also had people who'd supported me over college. So I knew I wasn't starting from absolute scratch. So yeah, a bit of mixed feelings. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, for that summer break uh, or the break in between finishing college and coming on staff to have a wedding in there as well and a honeymoon and all that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, so I'm not surprised. Um, tell me then, as you kind of have gone on with your support raising with us, um, and so Chris, you're at the end of your second year and Kate, you're at the end of your first year or most of the way through it. What have been the highs and the lows so far of your time support raising with us? I think for me, there have been highs of unexpected God's timing moments, I guess we'll call them. So uh, there have been examples. I said there was a friend from college that I contacted um, to ask if they'd consider support um, and he'd said, oh, he'd just finished up supporting a trainee and so he, part of his prayers was that the next person that he'd support, he'd say yes to. 
Uh, so, and I was the next person who messaged him. So there are things like that that are quite unexpected um, and really encouraging, uh, which really kind of gave me the energy just to ask people. Um, yeah, but I think on the other hand, the, the lows of it was, uh, it's hard not to equate my, I guess, um, progress in support raising with how I feel about myself. So I think I uh, mm. tend to compare myself to people and go, oh, there are more people who are more experienced than me or they're better at this than me. Um, people should go and support them, not me, sort of feelings. So I think those are the lows because it's hard to get out of my head with that. It's such a common experience for our staff, mm. feeling that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not the insecurity I struggle with. Um, <laughs> so it's pro- I, I think I reflect on people not supporting and go, okay, uh, strategically, what have I, um, have I asked in a way that's given them permission to not, to um, be given extra permission to opt out or to take a long time and getting on board? It's not the insecurity of, oh, I'm not worth supporting. And that might be a difference in our godliness. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, some of the highs for me, it's I think it's normal stuff. I really appreciate an interdependent model of ministry. So where you get to partner with uh, churches and gospel organizations around the place and there's a growing sense of we actually are in a, in the same work together and partnering is for the good of the gospel, not of, not just of ourselves. Um, mm. I was talking with a supporter recently who's he's given a, a hundred bucks a month and as I was sharing stories with him and hearing how his life and ministry is going, he's like, oh, dude, I would love to give more. I'm so glad we're supporting him that much and I wish we could give more. Like we're, we're so glad our little bit is contributing to this and yeah um that that's the kind of highs that encourage me the sad stuff I remember early on it was when I was only a day or two a week and you run across a non-christian they go I'll read the bible with you on Friday and you go well I'm only working Monday to Wednesday and you can't meet with them and it would just kind of rip you up inside Mm. that you couldn't um from a supporter's lens it'd even be people saying we've looked in the books we're looking for a way to support you and we just can't make it work. We so wish we could. Um, so some of the sad moments are even a little encouraging like that, that they, they really do hit the prayers <laughs> and start praying for you to, for God to raise the supporters that you need because they get the work and they get the ministry and the partnership. But yeah, um, I guess there's still ones that you go, oh, I, I wish they could support too. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, encouragingly discouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's so interesting as well that um, the difference, like that you guys are in a similar situation and they're um, similar people you're talking to and yet you've had quite different reactions in terms of, you know, f- feeling worthy either in yourself or your in your asking style and kind of the skill set. Because um, my reflection has been, it's really stood out to me as I've read the New Testament this year, that how often the emphasis in the New Testament is not on the person who's asking or the person, the skill set of the person who's asking, but actually on the worthiness of the supporters. Mm-hmm. So you see in like 3 John um, and in Matthew t- uh, 10, uh, places like that, just actually the emphasis being on whether or not God's people will respond in a way that's worthy of God. Mm. So mm. anyway, that's, it's interesting, but I think um, really common struggle with us. Um, so speaking, though, of how God is at work, how do you feel like God's been working in your hearts or your minds or just in you as a person as you've engaged in support raising? 
yeah, I think the that God's been working to help uh, grow me in my patience, but also in my understanding of uh, even my role in in being a ministry worker. Um, yeah, I think I've come to understand that we're not being paid like a secular job, but we're actually being freed up um, from work, like for this ministry, so that it's really like chipping away at that feeling of in- inadequacy that I'm feeling because it's not. Um, it's not so reliant on my experience or if I'm good enough, but it's more that like God's actually given me this opportunity and he's given me the people and the freedom to do this. And yeah, so I'm just really growing in thankfulness for that and gratefulness that there are people who are willing to get on board uh, with the ministry that we're doing. Uh, I think for me, it's, mm. I think for me, it's been um, God's encouraged and shaped me through the supporters themselves. So one of the peculiar things you get with some supporters is you get to be a fly on the wall a bit for the conversations they have that they share with you. And so as some supporters have really struggled and tussled with what does generosity look like, it's had a mutual effect, I think, for me and then for us as we consider um, our capacity to be joyful and generous um, in a way that's been really helpful. It's, I, I find it's it's easy because of the the dependent sort of need you quickly have sometimes in in our work um you get sucked into the vortex of thinking about giving as the way that enables your ministry and that can be the primary lens um but my supporters have i think through their generosity and the way they've thought through giving have it's almost pulled me out of that vortex to think through giving in a gospel lens um and yeah i think the other one's just been um I always say it reluctantly, the, the God ask was good for me in some ways, Kat. Um, yeah, uh, it, was, it wasn't the warmest read all the way through, but there were some things he was really helpful in. And one was just that he had a principle of, we just keep asking God uh, to raise the team of supporters. So I ask him, I ask supporters to ask him, and together we ask, and he's the one that enables our ministry, um, both financially, but yeah, Every day on the ground, um, we see his kindness um, in the students. And, yeah, I think there are probably a couple of ways. Yeah, that's wonderful. <clears throat> it's one of the great joys of my job, actually, to see, to sit on the sidelines and cheer staff on and to see the way that God's working in people's lives through this difficult part of the role. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing. Obviously, your experience has been slightly different from many of our staff because you've had the experience of support raising Chris as an individual and then both well, both of you as individuals as apprentices and then coming together and support raising as a couple. Um, what's that looked like for you? And do you have any wisdom that you'd share with others who are considering support raising together as well? Yeah, so the, I think being married gives us um, moments where we can encourage each other but also like share opportunities Um yeah, so an example of this will be um, we've got mutual friends um, who Chris had approached them uh, for support earlier in the year uh, when he'd started and um, they'd kind of reluctantly said, oh, we're, uh, we can't support at the moment and the next person that we're hoping to support is actually a woman. Um, and so Chris kind of gave me the tip-off of like, 
maybe you should talk to this couple. <laughs> and <laughs> it was a bit like, oh, I've heard you wanting to support a woman in ministry. <laughs> uh, you could support both Chris and I in ministry. And like, they were so, so joyful to join, uh, yeah, supporting both of us, but also to help me actually get on the ground when I started. Um, so that was quite a, a funny kind of shared uh, moment where we share resources. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't think the share stuff is necessarily exclusive to being married, but, it, like, I think because we're married, we have, like, a more direct line of contact uh, with each other to say those things, like, oh, she talked to this person, um, and also to sharing the common friendships as well um, and being in the similar circles. I think that's one of the unique things. Um, yeah. I think the other thing there is you, you share the wins or the momentum. Mm-hmm. So if you... If neither of you is support raising or partnership developing, uh, it you can share the inertia. Um, but I noticed that if um, if I'm on a kick and find a good rhythm of consistently raising support, that has an effect on Kate and and vice versa. Like if if I've had a string of no's and she's had a string of yes, it's like oh, <laughs> maybe maybe God still can can raise the support. Um, <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that's the individual stuff though. But I, I think I noticed um, I had to learn pretty quickly on it's it's different when you've got existing church relationships and you're changing from the, the missionary they supported to the missionary couple. Um, mm. So there's been, I think I've, I've noticed we've had to help churches appreciate and platform two things. Uh, so one is that we're, we're not a missionary couple like a lot of couples are, where one of them is the missionary and one runs the family. Um, we've had to say we're, we're two missionaries, two campuses, um, in the way that we talk to the church about partnership. Um, mm. but also in, when we're invited or we, we visit a church, um, and they want to interview us or want me to preach or, you know, something like that. Uh, we're strategic in the offers we take. Um, so in the, and the way we interact with those, so those opportunities, so if, if I preach and, and they want to interview us um, and, uh, and ask what our organisation does, I, uh, we try and um, uh, spread our questions so Kate answers the questions that um, tell you what, what our role is. Um, if we're telling stories about ministry, we try and make those stories that Kate's telling about the ministry so that because it's easier for people to see that I'm involved in the ministry as a guy because I'll get to preach for 30 minutes after that. Um, it's not mm. as easy for them to both to see Kate's involved in ministry, but also for the women in the church to see a woman in ministry. And mm. so I, th- I think we're keen to platform those things as we begin partnership with, with somewhere. Um, but also just a, a practice for us um, as a couple. It, and even in that, like we'll do little things like, I try and grab the mic first or stand closest to the microphone just so that I'll even be willing to talk first or uh, just so I don't slink into the background because uh, Chris has had a bit more experience at it than I have, so he is a bit more confident. Um, so I'm trying to build my confidence, um, yeah, as a staff worker in myself, but also for the church to see um, me in action, I guess, and to hear the, hear the stories of the students that I'm working with. Um, yeah. There's also been opportunities, I think, when you've you've answered a question, they've asked me another one, and I can refer back to your example in a story of, like, the thing that models that. So I can say, oh, I love the... Yeah, that's... 
you know, this principle, I love this is how it's present in Kate's story here with this student and this student. So there's, there's sort of ways we've learned to kind of, yeah, champion each other. Um, yeah, with, with the bounds that you're given and not overstepping those. It, it really seems like in your marriage then the burden of support raising or the, the joy of support raising, whichever you prefer, um, is quite equally shared between the two of you. Is that an accurate observation then? Yeah, I think we both um, work at the conversations and the, the kind of updates that we give as well to kind of even it out. Um, so we have a Facebook group um, that we've we've got as a shared couple um, and we try and alternate who posts each week. And I think that's helpful because we can remind each other as well, like if it's like, oh, it's your turn to post in the group and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but I think... I, I appreciate having the Facebook group because the people that I see in day-to-day life are there encouraging us because they've been like, oh, I saw what Chris posted the other day. That's really encouraging. Or, um, you know, oh, I've been praying for you in this thing because I think there's an immediate um, thing that they see when they're scrolling on their phones. Um, yeah, so we share share that. I think you're forced to share a bunch of it too, though, because mm. you only have one house for one dinner or can visit a church together, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a lot, some of it we decide to share and some of it we just, we share well because we, we need to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've had to start an Excel sheet to share the kind of data because there have been, we're kind of crossing over into our mutual yeah, friends yeah. as to, to who I'm up to asking. I'm like, oh, Chris, have you asked this person? Have you asked this person? Because I don't want to be like badgering. <laughs> and they so that we're all asking the same people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just for a last question, I'd really love to find out if you could kind of travel back in time and give advice to your previous selves as you started out, what what would you say? How would you encourage yourself? I think I'd want to um, encourage myself in pacing myself um, and also setting goals that actually reflect the shape of the year of the kind of work that we do. So I think I started out setting weekly goals mm. of um, talking to this many people um, and, yeah, sending this many messages in, in whatever week. Um, but I found that pretty tough to actually follow through once um, the ministry got going and, and the weeks um, got filled up and things got scheduled in. Um, whereas in, in reality, I think the shape of our support raising across the year has been more in the lulls of semester because um, we've been able to carve out time as as a whole staff team to actually do it. So I was looking through the, the dates of when I'd had these conversations with people and I'm like, oh, uh, I talked to lots of people in March and then lots of people in June and lots of people in August because that's just the shape of, uh, shape of the year. So... I think if I had a bit of foresight with my goal setting, I think I wouldn't be as discouraged. Uh, yeah, just because the year's the year isn't that consistent. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very cyclical with student mm. ministry, isn't it? Um, so if you could, if you could, if you were restarting, knowing that that first, particularly, I think that first term, someone said until Easter, and your first term is just so hectic. How would you do it differently? Um. Well, it sounds like in your Yeah, and... I think I'd encourage myself to kind of keep regular um, conversations going throughout the year um, and not trying to 
like do it all like in one week or something. So there might be one conversation to keep going throughout the week, but then, um, yeah, you follow up towards the end of the term or something like, yeah. So I think just the shape of it being different because, yeah, I think I was getting quite overwhelmed with how many conversations I tried to start and then you have to keep having the conversations and like uh, follow through and follow up and um, keep it going. So, yeah, I think just to be aware of like it's more stretched out than than what I anticipated. And we're actually in encouraging new staff often to delay their start date if they're not fully supported because once you're on campus and starting trying to meet all mm. the students and doing O-Week and all of that, it's just very hard to have the relational and headspace, relational space and headspace to keep having those. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm. And once you start meeting the students and seeing their smiling faces, it's really hard to say, no, I don't have the time, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, that is good advice. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Chris? I I think I think I would encourage I would encourage me that um, God can raise the partners for the ministry. Like He delights in partnership ministry, um, not just raising financial partners, but in His time, those who'll uh, grow to trust the ministry and pray for us, and that He's prepared to give and support us. Um, so I think I'd take the pressure off me and say, you know, the Lord delights to deploy his harvest workers into the field would be the first thing. I think there'd be a couple of practical things I'd give myself to though. So I think I'd go um, work for consistent and small goals of asking. So instead of going for, you know, 30 people, five people a week, not 30, uh, just go for, you know, a couple of people a week um, and be uh, small and consistent in your communications, um, small and consistent in your progressing them along asking Um, that'd be one, I think I'd, but I think when it comes to financial support, um, yeah, the God ask was helpful for me here again. And I'd be, I'd be boldly asking, but specifically thinking through each supporter of what I could ask them for financial support. So if they're an existing relationship, do they have one income or two? Are they a long-term supporter? Like what, what could I ask them to do? And, and being, uh, specific in the effect of what that giving is. So I might say to folks now, if they have double income, no kids, they've known me for a few years, we need another six couples to give 400 bucks a month. Um, if we get that, Kate and I are both on campus four days a week, fully supported. And that's just really helpful to be concrete for supporters and um, yeah, and, and to be specific in what they're giving. I'm asking to be sacrificial, but what it could do. Um, and, and I've found a bunch of supporters in the last few months have, have found that kind of thing really helpful. Mm. Um, I'd, be, I'd be quick in my follow-up process. So I wouldn't, be, wouldn't think I'm being overly gracious by kind of holding back and no worries, even thought about it, have another week or um, you communicate uh, laxity or that the ministry isn't quite as important or shouldn't be a priority for them if you take the foot off too much. So I'd kind of set yourself a schedule and then stick to it in the, if the schedule is set with them in the conversation, stick to that, and that helps them as well. Mm. And I think the last thing would be, um, yeah, work out the way to present dying conversations uh, like while keeping the initiative and out. So if, if they're saying yes, 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 yes for 12 months or more, I think I'd work it out earlier rather than later to say, hey, 
we've been talking about this for a while. How about I chat to you in a year? Because it's it se- it's seeming like um, it's something that you guys would love to do, but you can't do right now. Let's talk in twelve months, and it just gives you the permission to reset the relationship without destroying the relationship, which thankfully hasn't happened. Um, but if you just let them kind of roll on saying yes, yes, and never getting on board, it's it's not great for the relationship. It's also not good for them. It's not good for the ministry. You feel frustrated and pressured. Um, yeah, and you can put that on the relationship. So I think it's just better to to have those couple of strategies for managing your friendships a bit earlier. Yeah, wonderful. Those are very wise tips. Thank you so much for sharing. Let's finish in prayer then. Father, we thank you so much for your help and support and care for Kate and Chris shown through the many supporters that you've brought on board. We thank you for those who have done so willingly and joyfully and eagerly and for giving them perseverance when it's been hard. And we ask that you would give uh, all of us who are listening good perseverance in the hard things that we need to do, that you'd help us to know your, uh, your worthiness of people supporting your work uh, and to keep seeing the value and the goodness of the partnership work that you've called us to. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Chris and Kate, for joining me. And bye for now, everyone. Bye.